because people's amygdalas are, I feel like, just constantly going off. I mean, from the second they wake up in the morning until they go to bed. Well, and think about how we wake up. We wake up, most of us, <laughs> with an alarm clock. Like, that yeah, is starting so our true. day with fear and you know. The best with their hands, Anastasia Yeki Gud from Healing Hands joins me today where we chat muscle tension, the art behind massage therapy, and how being more present in our own lives can actually help us reduce stress. So, let's do it. Too many days in the darkness Without a glimpse of the light Running tired and broken and scared But I swear I'll never give up the fight I see you broken and beat Head pulled down over your eyes Every part of you wants to surrender Darling, you were meant to survive Anastasia, I am so, so, so happy to have um, you on the show today because you're like an encyclopedia full of knowledge that I think everybody in the world could really benefit um, from right now. Um, my, my question, as soon as I you know, think of massage therapists, I think of like, you know, when I was in public education when I was younger, or you know, if somebody's going to a private school or even if you're homeschooled, how does um, someone kind of not get channeled into that you know, be a corporate executive, a doctor, a lawyer, a firefighter, or a policeman, and then get into um, massage therapy because it's such a gem of a field that I feel like doesn't get the attention in like the education system as people are younger and, and, and um, you know, get older. So how did you kind of find your, your path through there? Well, <laughs> it, it was not a direct shot. Um, I graduated college really, really early. I was 20 years old and I, I just wanted to travel the world. So, but I wasn't a trust fund baby. So I <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wish I was that lucky. No. So I joined United Airlines as a flight attendant. So I traveled for almost four years. I went to more than 50 countries and th this was the late nineties. So it was before all the algorithms existed, like the, you know, the hot wire the you know, they knew a flight was leaving in three days and there's three unsold seats. None of that existed. So it was a lot easier to fly standby. So once I got mm. that out of my system, I had thought about going back to school and becoming a veterinarian, which I feel, I don't know that that was probably my true love, but I was living in San Francisco and it was the dot-com boom. So I joined a dot-com. So I, but you know, I was very low on the totem pole. I was in my early twenties still at that point. But when the bust happened in 2000, 2001, I found myself unemployed and ended up moving to Miami. And I was that stressed out executive for a while because I ended up with a job with an Argentinian advertising company that had just opened here in the city. They had been around in for probably 30 years in South America, but they had just opened in Miami. And I worked my way up and became the head of national sales, which was great, but it had you know a lot of stress, a lot of travel. And then the company got sold right before the Great Recession. So when the Great Recession came, I took six months off, really did a lot of thought about where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be in the next phase of my life. And when I thought back on the other jobs that I'd had throughout the years, I realized that the thing that fulfilled me the most was helping people. 
And I also really liked working with my hands. So I, I play the piano. I, I love that. <laughs> I do ceramics. I type 86 words a minute. So I was like, okay, how can I help people with my hands? And Working in corporate America, you definitely learn how to type quick. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so then that led me to massage. And so I here in the state of Florida, it is, and it's funny, I might've come at this with a little bit of a, oh, well, you know, I, I have a college degree. This is massage school. No, it was challenging. The kinesiology and physiology class kicked my butt. Um, anatomy was challenging as well. We dive deep into the systems of the body, um, not just what they are, but how they work. And when we started studying the, I thought it was going to be all about the massage strokes and it wasn't. It, and the senses, the music, the ambiance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That came later. <laughs> First, you need to know about the muscles because there's 206 bones in the human body, give or take, but there's more than 600 muscles. And obviously we don't learn all of them because our brains would explode, but we learn the main ones, the muscle groups, the agonists, the antagonists. So how they move, which muscles move against them and you know basically just everything you need to really not just do what we sort of call the the fluff and buff which is a lot of the spa massages but a true like therapeutic massage that will provide relief and what was cool was that i felt like it was a nice full circle because when i started my company in 2011 we focused on chair massage at companies. So I had gone suddenly from being that stress out executive at her desk all day to being, you know, the one to that going would come and helping in. the people yeah, that are. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So you gotta love it. What um what typically do people come in for, you would say on average, to say like, hey, I have muscle tension here, I have muscle tension there. Is it more of like a like a reactive way? Like I, I'm assuming people and you probably know yourself working in a corporate um, environment that eventually, I mean, your body posture kind of um, declines, unhealthy habits lead to then, you know, an unhealthy body. What do people typically come in? Is it like just, you know, my back hurts, um, I need help? Or are they actually being proactive and being like, hey, let me take care of my body consistently. Well, it would be a lot easier if the majority of the people were proactive. We, in my company, we even have a massage membership to help with that. But most people are reactive and they're like, oh yeah, you know, my- I'm, I'm one been, of them. <laughs> yeah, I've been sitting at a, you know, at, at a desk working off of my laptop or working, you know, from my sofa or whatever. And actually for the listeners or whoever is viewing, I, I have a challenge for you. If you're working off of a laptop right now, close your eyes, put your head and neck like at neutral. So, uh, you know, just feel like everything is very balanced and put your eyes at neutral and open them. And I can guarantee, and I see it in your case too, you have to look down to look at your screen. You're looking, if everything was that neutral, you would be looking up and over your screen. And I would say that's the case for about 99% of people. And you're like, oh, but it's just a couple of degrees. What is that? But no, it, it's huge. If you extrapolate that by the number of hours, and it's not just our screens, it's our phones, it's, you know, everything. So if you figure that over the course of a year, you can see how that tension is going to accumulate in the neck and in the traps. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You, you, you bring that up too, because when I was in college, well, actually before that, when I was growing up, I had a, tr a very tough time reading when I was younger, I would get through one page, lose focus and then snooze. I was already like starting to just get fatigued very quickly. Never knew why, never knew why, never even really noticed it until I'm a uh, freshman year in college and I'm talking to a professor and he was breaking down body posture and so forth and why people do get fatigued. 
And he was like, most people look down when they read. So you're hindering your airway because you're looking down and you're not straight. Yeah. So when you're hindering your airway, you're getting less oxygen, which means you will actually be getting fatigued quicker. Yeah. And you know, I was probably reading at like a 90 degree angle. You know? So that's why I was sleeping. But it was crazy that I was like 21 years old. My whole life didn't know what was going on until a single second, you know, a class I probably didn't want to take. And I'm learning this information, which those little things add up, especially when you do them over time, like you said, Absolutely. a year. And that, um, that muscle tension too, that you were, uh, you know, uh, talking about, it's kind of like, if you just go into a little bit more detail on what exactly tension is, because from my understanding, it's kind of like a, a, a the body's reflex of like protecting itself tension. And, you know, if you have chronic, um, if you have chronic stress, you're probably going to have chronic pain as it adds up. And then of course, right. then time to see anesthesia. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, picture the muscle fibers. Like if, if you were to pull your, well, not your hair, but if a girl were to pull her hair back in a ponytail. <laughs> so the muscles are made of many, many little spindles and it's the kind of them sliding over one another that gives us movement. But I, I have a prop here for anyone who's watching this on YouTube. So um, I'm holding up a sponge and think of your muscles and those spindles as, as this sponge. So if you want the sponge or the muscles to work optimally. You're going to get some water. You're going to, you know, then it'll twist and turn and it'll be pliable and you'll be using it the way that it's meant to be. But if you're done washing dishes or whatever, and you wring it out and you leave it at the side of the sink and you go away, what's going to happen? Well, the water's going to evaporate. That's going to make the sponge hard and stiff and it's not going to work as well. Mm. And so with our muscles, we, the human race was never meant to be as sedentary as we have all become, or most of us have become or all of us have become at least for many hours throughout the day. So what happens is as we sit there, it actually constricts the muscles, it constricts the blood flow, the oxygen, the nutrients that those muscle fibers need. And so massage beyond just feeling good is all that twisting and turning. And, and at our massage studio, we actually do some therapeutic stretching and we'll, we'll massage we might put the arm over the table because that's going to elongate the muscles of the back, the latissimus dorsi. Um, so all of that is akin to putting water back into that sponge. And just to extrapolate a little more on tension and what I was saying earlier about looking down at your laptop, your book, your phone, whatever it is. Um, I am, uh, so here I'm holding up a skull and it has different colors for the different bones. There's actually 22 different bones in the skull. Most people don't know that. Mm. And they're fused together in these things called sutures. So if you take two fingers and you put it in the back, like right here, you're going to be touching, you're going to feel a little bump. That's the occiput. Everybody has it. What's key to that is that on either side of the occiput, you that's where the trapezius muscles, the muscles of the shoulder insert. So what's going to happen is if you're looking down, you're pulling those muscles and you are creating stress on the, the occipital suture, which basically it's the back of the head. So then over time, that's going to, that stress is going to sort of have a domino effect and it's going to go up. And so if you ever have a tension headache that like in the morning, it's kind of there in the back and then you feel it creeping up during the day, yeah. it's often caused by stress on the occipital suture in the back of the head. So when we do like the, the most common ailment, I guess that people come and see us for is, uh, 
tension in the upper back, the neck and shoulders. And so we really focus on that area to try to get things moving again and to release the tension in those traps so they stop pulling on the back of our skull. Do you, that's an amazing point, by the way. I did not know literally any of that. <laughs> um, do, do you feel like the the upper back, lower portion of the head is like the, the spot for the average person um, that they need attention when they, when they seek your help? I would say 75% of the time. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is a, a total body, uh, you know, we concentrate in specific areas, but you're definitely helping the entire nervous system. If you, you know, do a little bit of everything. So we, we do usually do a full body massage with, um, with stretching as well. Cause I, um, I thought about this the last time I got a massage, I, um, thought about why, when the masseuse was working her way down, Oh, wait, I have to stop you. Yeah. Massage therapist. We hate the term oh, masseuse. Oh, massage therapist. Masseuse okay. is masseuse. someone who is unlicensed, who just, you know, came in off the street and maybe didn't even take a class. Massage therapist is someone who has done about five to 600 hours of study and passed a state licensing exam. Okay. <laughs> noted, noted. Thank you. I was um, with a massage therapist and uh, they're working their way down. And you'll start with the back, a little bit of the neck, and then the arms. And it was, you know, feeling great, but it wasn't until they got to my feet to where I felt this explosion of like, it felt like a full body orgasm to where I, I just couldn't, I'm like, I'm like laying down. And I just, I couldn't, um, like my focus, I was hyper-focused in that area because I, you know, you don't usually get your feet rubbed. And I was thinking afterwards, why was it my feet that as soon as there was some um, physical touch to it, my body just went into this trance and, and of emotion, didn't know what to do. And I was looking some things up and I was thinking, maybe it's the way, you know, the shoes that we wear, it's our posture, we're on our feet all of the time. And I remember back in the Olympics when Usain Bolt was, um, was you know, the, the fastest person on earth. And they did a whole study on why is it that you know, a lot of the people who are the fastest people in the world come from villages where they don't even have shoes when they're younger, you know, and they grow up running barefoot. They don't grow up with shoes. And the way that they, um, the, they were filming kids running and the way that they were running and most of the time walking was the palm of their foot would hit the ground first and then kind of the heel and toe after. And... I think of us as Americans with shoes and socks, we're heel toe, heel toe, heel toe. And when I was running track way back in high school, I remember you would run in the palm of your feet first. That's what, how they taught you. But for me, it wasn't natural. You, you, I kind of had to remember to do that as I'm running. And I thought about that and you add up the years of you doing heel toe, heel toe, heel toe in comparison to someone who is running more in their natural state. You know, they're, they don't have shoes. They don't, they're not taught on how to walk this way, run this way. So they're in their natural born state, which is probably a healthier way because it's natural. It's how our body was, um, man, I thought it was, I thought it was super, super interesting because it was palm, heel, and then toes at the same time. And I've tried to think about that as I go out throughout my day sometimes. And that's what brought up. Maybe that's why when somebody would touch my, my feet in the, in the massage, that it felt so great because I was not only, you know, everyone's on their feet most of the day anyway, but you're also on the feet most of the day 
maybe doing it wrong. And then as the years go, you know, then you come up with some chronic pain. That's just my thought, but I'd love to get your insight. As you watch any child run barefoot and they are going to run on the ball of their foot, like they're, they're going to, it almost looks like they're running tippy toe. -toe, And there's actually a whole very interesting world out there with um, barefoot running and, um, my friend Milton actually got me into that because um, I used to do half marathons. Well, I never did a half marathon like barefoot, but <laughs> um, but you know, there's different styles and different ways to run. And um, yeah, a lot of those tribes are more rural areas where they don't have the footwear that really alters the our gait. Um, that is how people run, and the calf muscle gets extremely strong. And the calf muscle is a second heart; it, it pumps That's the blood up then. from the extremities. But I will also say that there are so many nerve endings in the feet, the hands, and the top of the head, and so those areas are extra sensitive, hypersensitive. So, um, but and then there's the whole area of acupressure and the different points, which we do not specialize in. I do not, um, you'll need another guest for that, but you know, the, you've seen the map of the foot and the, this corresponds yeah. to this organ and whatnot. So it's there, like the brain. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a whole science behind that as well, but I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed that. That for me personally, when I give massage, the, the feet are not my favorite part of the body, but I usually just take a hot towel and I put it over the foot and mm. then I massage over the towel. No one's okay. ever complained. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably be the same way. <laughs> what would you say out of like the the five senses outside of touch? What would you say are like the maybe the second most important in terms of just like relaxing and enjoying the the massage outside of touch? You know, is it hearing? Is it um, uh, listen? You know, li- listening, hmm. hearing, and then that is a good question. I would say, gosh, it's kind of part of the the whole package. Um, if it I can list them in order, I would say probably hearing. That's why we usually play some sort of spa music or we have a white noise machine. Um, but also the the scents are very important. Like we, we typically start with lavender because it's known to relax the person. So we'll, at the beginning of the massage, we'll have them take a few deep breaths of lavender. We usually start face down. So when we turn them over, they're kind of stuffy. And the, the, reason, the reason that you're often stuffy, it's simple gravity. If you are face down, if you have a drop of anything in your sinuses, it will pull forward and stuff you up. So it usually resolves pretty quick once you're supine, uh, face up, you know? But the, but for that reason, we then have them take some breaths of lavender, sorry, eucalyptus. And then at the end, we finish with peppermint because peppermint kind of wakes you back up. So we have lavender to relax, eucalyptus to help clear you out, and peppermint to wake you up. So I think it's, it's kind of part and parcel. I mean, our bodies are very holistic, you know, organisms. Yeah. So I, I think it is a little bit of everything that, contributes to, you know, relaxation and stress relief. Do you, um, do you do any, or have like people request kind of stretching during the massage? Um, are there massages that are just stretching too? Because there's times when I'm super, super sore and I start stretching, I start sounding like I'm getting a massage because there's a lot of moans. I'm like, oh, uh, wow, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm wondering if I had a, a massage therapist do that to me, if I'm able to do that on my own, imagine what a massage therapist could do. Uh-huh. Yes, we. it's part of our training, um, you know, the five to 600 hours that we take in massage school, but we have to take continuing education every year. And I actually just last week was in a stretching class up in St. Augustine at a conference, a massage conference. Um, stretching is amazing. We're actually known for it at our studio. Um, 
we do a bit of, I would liken it to tie on the table. So, you know, Thai massage is full of different stretching and it's almost like yoga for the lazy person because you sort of have someone manipulating your body into all these different positions. Um, so we do a mix of that and we also do what's called PNF stretching and PNF, here's your $5 word, it's proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation. All that means is the muscle will relax to the degree that it contracts. So the way that we do PNF stretching is we would take someone to their maximum comfortable stretch. We never want to push someone past their limit. We want to challenge the limit, but we don't want to, you know, exceed it. Yeah, yeah. exceed it. <laughs> yeah. So we would say, let me know when you've reached a comfortable stretch. And once they do, usually like if someone's on the table face up, their their leg might be like in my shoulder, I might be pushing it. So I'll say, okay, push against me. And then they they push and for about five seconds, then release and they exhale on the release and then, okay, now let me know how much further I can go. And it is amazing because, and athletes do these stretches a lot because your muscle has contracted when it relaxes, those spindles are a little bit looser, those muscle fibers. So you are able to get several more degrees on the stretch. And you typically in that sequence, you would repeat it three times, kind of the general accepted practice. Yeah, do you do you remember? I want to say it must have been five to you no, know, at least closer to ten years ago. The the bands that people would wear on their wrists oh, yeah. that would mm -hmm. that would you know essentially um, make them looser, I guess, or stretch um, further. Like athletes, Troy Polamalu made it like kind of go viral because he was a safety for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Do you remember that those bands? I'm thinking I, we may not be thinking about the same thing. I'm thinking more about like rock tape or those those things that you would see people. Oh, yeah, no, rock tape actually, I know works. I yeah, think, yeah, it works very and, well. And um, the one I'm talking about, it just, it was a band with like a little um, silver, silver spot on it. And it was basically you wear it and you're more loose. So what would happen is, and it was, it, it not that it was a scam. Placebo effect. It, yeah. <laughs> what, what would happen is, you know, the test would be, okay, go like this. And you would spin like this with your arms and rock. And then they go, okay, put the band on. And then you would rock a lot farther. Now, obviously you'd rock a lot farther because you You've just stretched. Yeah. You just stretched. And I thought it was like the funniest thing because uh, my my friend did, did it to me. He's like, now put the band on. I was like, of course I'm gonna stretch more. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> um, stretching, I, I feel like is so underrated because I didn't know for the longest time that like it like increases blood flow it kind of it, it increases the healing and you know i would i would lift or work out and feel awful the next day very sore and then be like okay i have to wait it out but then you know depending on how hard you worked out another day passes another day and you don't want to you know still work out when you're sore but stretching would have cut that down immensely absolutely you know, and you just kind of end up losing out and working out because you're just stuck sore. And I never, I never knew that for the longest time um, because I kind of now view you guys as like athletic trainers, you know, to where you, you have that knowledge of, no, this is really what you're supposed to do in order to still have that cycle of working out, healing, stretching, working out and still being able to do it as quickly as you can rather than just kind of work out in, in absolute beast mode as hard as you can. And then guess what? The next three days you're out because you, you've done it too hard. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it, at our studio, we tend to have um, kind of a mix of the people that the desk jockeys that are at their desk all day, and then they want the stretching because they're not doing any other form of exercise. And then we have clients like that are, you know, the gym rats that are in the gym all the time and then want the stretching and the massage to provide them with relief and accelerate that healing process before they go back to the gym the next day. So I love that you guys are involved with like corporations too with that because it, uh, um, I, I think they're the ones who need it like just as much as athletes do because their, their posture just kind of declines. Um, and I was thinking what we were talking about before with, you know, people tending to look down, you know, people are always looking at their cell phones, which kind of just brings that neck down just a couple of degrees. And you just get so used to it that I think your body picks up on, okay, this is the new posture then. Well, that's exactly right. There's muscle memory. And so muscles, they want to get back to homeostasis or neutral, but at the same time, muscles are adaptable. So if you are looking down at your phone or laptop or whatever over and over and over again, and you never do like a, you know, counter stretch or anything, um, what'll happen is you'll see those old people walking and they're all hunched over like, you know, the hunchback of Notre Dame, that didn't happen overnight. Yeah. That was basically decades of the muscles going, okay, I give up. I guess this is my new normal. So that's, oh, that's sad. And is you're sad. so right with that. You're so right. They're giving up on you. They're yeah. like, they've accepted their fate of being deformed to a degree. Pretty much. I, um, you know, I, I read something on your website. I want to get your thoughts on, cause I thought it, it hit the mark perfectly, which was you, you discuss mindfulness, which is such a important word that is so deep. Um, and you talk about how mindfulness, um, you know, can help ease the tension between the ears. And I just wanted to kind of get your, your insight on that because that is so deep. <laughs> sure. So mindfulness you know, a lot of, there's so many misconceptions about it. And a lot of people think you have to be in full Lotus chanting Om 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And mindfulness essentially means awareness. So what you're going to do is just kind of pull back mentally, just observe without judgment, just observe what's going on around you. Wow. Am I, I'm carrying a lot of tension in my jaw. You know what? I don't have to, let me relax that. You know, wow, I my heartbeat is really accelerated. Let me take a couple of deep breaths and feel my blood pressure slow down. It, it's really just these instances of dialing into ourselves and to what is going on around us and in us and trying to, again, not judging. So don't be like, oh, there I go, I'm all stressed again. No, it's not about that. It's just observing, wow, I am stressed. Let me see what I can do to get back to a more natural, relaxed state. Are there, um, how important is it for, um, you know, your, your clients to, to be mindful prior to, to getting, um, some work done? Yeah. Cause I feel like it's a 50, 50 <laughs> relationship. Like you guys can put on this absolute clinic, your best work ever. And if they're not there, I feel like no matter what amazing work you could do, it only goes so far because they have to consensually accept receiving that. 
Absolutely. So I am not going to name names. It is a major cruise ship company that everyone here, anyone in the world would know. We had a major chair massage event for them. And it was, this was a while back. This was a couple of years ago, but it was for the people in their call center. And they said to me when we were setting it up and it was like a five day event and they were going to do several hundred people. And they said, Hey, we want five minute chair massage sessions. And I said, please, please what don't is do a that. five minute please chair? What? <laughs> Literally, the time it will take them to leave their desk, walk up however many floors or take the elevator, sit down in the chair. By the time they're even halfway starting to relax, it's like, next. You know, no. Get back on your keyboard. Yeah, it, it, it's horrible. So that, that's a problem actually in the corporate wellness world that we run into because you could have the best program that like executed perfectly. But if management doesn't really have buy-in or even even say it was a 20 minute massage, if your manager is giving you the stink eye, you're not yeah. gonna wanna leave. Or yeah. if you do leave, then you're gonna be in the chair thinking, oh gosh, I better get back. I gotta do this, I gotta do that. So yeah, it's um, it can be tricky. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's very sounds very corporate of them. Um, not surprising though, because it's it's one after the other there. Um, what are some some tips you would say that you could give someone um, to being mindful? You know, kind of being in the present prior to maybe doing some soul searching, maybe trying to figure out, okay, where am I? Where is the stress coming from, and where do I feel it? Um, what are some, some tips that can help people kind of get back into the, uh, you know, the present, because I think I, that's why I love the ambiance music that typically is played because it helps people dial down a little bit. Wow. So as far as tips, it's funny. I always feel a little bit hypocritical when people ask me this because I am in the health and wellness sphere and I'm, I'm just like anybody else. I, you know, you're I, workaholic and yeah, I mean, I, I try to be more aware of it, but yeah, I, I'm not like by any means a poster child, but what I will say, what has worked for me is first of all, self compassion, like realizing most of us at any given time, are doing the best we can with the tools we have. So recognizing that where you're at right now is where you need to be. And it, it probably isn't gonna be where you're gonna be. Well, it won't be where you're gonna be forever because as human beings, we're constantly changing, evolving, hopefully improving and you know yeah. moving forward. But just recognizing that you're doing the best you can. If you're not, what can you do? And it doesn't have to be something Herculean, you know, that I love James Clear's book, the Atomic Habits book, because it talks about being 1% better because so often we compare ourselves to I love to that, 1% better, that's all you need. Yeah, we compare ourselves to others who have had these major like instant life changes and that, yeah, that's great and that does happen, but that's, that's the exception, not the rule. The rule is, you know, for most of us, okay, I'm not where I wanna be, what can I do to get a little bit better? today so I can be a little bit better tomorrow. And um, so I, I don't know if that really answered your question. No, it does. I, um, you know, I, I would say, I mean, I'm kind of like everyone else too, where it's just, you know, you're, you're caught in life and things just uh, kind of happen so quickly. And then all of a sudden it's been like six months to a year, you know, and you've been like, wait, I was supposed to work on that stress. Um, but I think looking at it like it's, um, it's a functional purpose in our life, being mindful. You know, it's just as important as going to the gym, eating, just as important as working out. Because being mindful, it like the, the, the psychological science behind it too, it lessens the activity 
in your amygdala, which your amygdala regulates fear. And if you lessen the activity in your amygdala, you're more in the present and you're less stressed. So there, there's that functional, that functionality behind it to where if we start viewing it as a necessity in our life, rather than kind of like me, I, I used to work out, work out, work out. And I never viewed stretching just as important as the workout in and of itself. And if I did, you know, I might've healed a little bit quicker, been able to work out more. And you, you, you know, you start to view it as that, that functional purpose. So I think maybe viewing it as like that necessity where you do need rest. You know, you can't just work all day, work all day, work all day. If you don't get sleep, you can't work. And it kind of just feeds itself. Well, the other thing too, is to consider how our bodies have evolved throughout the millennia. And, you know, if you look at the caveman, the caveman basically- I love caveman, <laughs> the Neanderthal comparisons. I love it because it breaks it down so simple, you know? It does. So the caveman leaves the cave and sees a saber-toothed tiger. Oh my God, you know, one of two things is going to happen. You know, you're going to kill the tiger. The tiger is going to kill you. So you have these huge spikes in stress and then very quickly the stress is over, you know, yeah. and then you compare that to today. Today we have constant stress. So it, and we were never meant to focus that way. So our brain doesn't really know the difference between us being attacked by a saber tooth tiger, woolly mammoth, then, you know, oh my gosh, this guy just cut me off on the freeway or, oh my gosh, I have this deadline. My paper's going to be late. My boss is going to be angry at me. And so the body is functioning at this constant, it's low level, but it's constant stress. And then that can really mess, you know, mess with us. And we have these, you know, fight, flight, or freeze <laughs> hormones is. all the time. Because people's amygdalas are, I feel like just constantly going off. I mean, from the second they wake up in the morning until they go to bed. Well, and think about how we wake up. We wake up, most of us, <laughs> with an alarm clock. That is starting so our true. day with fear and, you know, getting startled. So I would say when you that are in so a situation true. where you are, you catch yourself, you know, you have this mindful moment, this awareness moment, like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm not where I need to be. Easiest thing you can do is simply concentrate on your breath. We're all breathing. We have to, or, you know, I mean, you could survive a, what, a couple of weeks without food, like a couple of days without water, not even a couple of minutes without breath. It's the one constant in our lives that we can control. It's the heart's beating too, but obviously we can't really control that. So just take a couple of deep breaths. You can even count because counting focuses the mind. It focuses on the numbers and not on whatever was stressing you out. So, you know, breathe in two, three, Four. You can even yeah. hold two, three, four. Now out two, three, four. Just doing that, I'm, I'm not kidding you. Like doing two or three rounds of that will lower the cortisol, the stress hormone. Yeah, because I feel like that's what, um, I don't know for sure, but I've, I've heard that that's what they do with um, people who have autism. Mm. Um, some of those exercises too, which, you know, th that's obviously in the, um, the more of the extreme scenario, but if everyone could just take a little bit of pieces from that and apply it to their life to where you can calm down yeah. a little bit quicker, um, rather than letting that just blow into the next, um, event during the day. Um, cause then it's just obviously a snowball effect, but yeah. Um, I'd love to, uh, get your, uh, your, the inside scoop too, of, um, the B1G one that you guys, uh, Th that you've been a part of. I know also the trips to Latin America too, I'm uh, very ignorant on. So I would love to hear exactly what you've done because um, I think it's just all amazing stuff. Um, well, I've always been really 
drawn to organizations and opportunities where I can give back. And I don't actually like the term give back because it's not like I took anything. It's just more, I won the cosmic lottery, you know, being born into, you know, a democracy where you can, you know, men and women are for the most part equal. And, you know, you work hard, generally speaking, you can get ahead. So that is not the case for everyone. And so, uh, yeah, going, I guess, starting with the medical missions, um, I had been very involved with um, a church called Sunset Church of Christ, and they would send these doctors and teams down to Latin America. So I, I think it's like eight trips that I did. It was mostly Honduras and Nicaragua, but also we did Guatemala and the Dominican Republic. And before I went, because it was a church, and my first question was, okay, are there any strings attached? Because I, I don't believe in giving conditional help, you know, like, oh, we'll yeah, help you. There's a lot of that. Yep. And they were like, nope, the condition is to be poor and in need. And I'm like, sign me up. And so I'm, I'm fully bilingual. So on the first trip, it was, you know, we were talking about the roles everyone was going to have. And originally I was going to help the doctors uh, translate between the patient and the doctor. And just because of my personality, that very quickly evolved or devolved into me doing puppet shows and entertainment for the, <laughs> for the kids that were waiting yeah. for their doctor visit yep. with their mom. So that was fun. Um, but yeah, we did, we did a lot of good there. Like that, that really was, we would go every summer or about every other summer. And that was one of, one of the highlights. I, I really enjoyed that. And I, I always felt like we ended up receiving so much more than, uh, than we were giving. And I, I, I love animals. And so I would always go down, um, I've worked as a vet tech, so I know the, the broad spectrum antibiotics. So I would always go down with like ivermectin and, uh, strongid and different, um, things. And one year I remember there was this puppy that just, poor thing, man. He was just skin and bones. And I gave him a little bit of strongid and, um, I told them, you know, Oh, you know, give him another dose in this many days and you go and you never know what's going to happen. So two years later, we're back at this tiny village and these kids come running up to me and they said, doctora, doctora. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not the doctor. <laughs> and they were like veterinaria. And I was oh, like, to them Oh you are, I'm sure, my yeah. gosh, the vet. And, and they, they pointed and there was this grown dog, healthy dog, like was wagging his tail, following them. And they were like, and you know, this is the dog that and I remembered. And that was really cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, I segued into the animals, but no, the animals, the kids, the moms, um, it was, it was a wonderful trip their trips and we did a lot of good. Yeah, I, I feel like that's that's amazing work too. Even for for you coming back after all the work you did for them too, coming back, you just have like this better outlook on life, I feel like, cause you kind of put things into perspective. Oh, yeah. um, I always encourage people doing humanitarian work and volunteer work because you know we're so caught up in this um, this world of like self love and self promotion and you should love yourself and everything which is which is you know true to a uh, you know degree but doing stuff for other people is maybe the most um, rewarding thing that can happen to you personally because you feel so good about it you feel so good about it. Yeah, you know, it's hard to it's hard to compare. I mean, doing something for yourself in comparison to somebody else is so intrinsically valuable to your soul as a human being, and um, it's it's it leaves you speechless. And it, well, that leads me into the work we do with B One G One at my company, and so B One G One stands for Buy One Give One, and uh, it helps small businesses incorporate micro giving into everything they do. So, for example, for every 
client that comes into our studio and gets a massage at the end. We, and we try to like tie it in in a meaningful way. Uh, so at the end of every massage, the therapist give them a cup of water. So what we do at the end of every month, I actually did it uh, yesterday, which was June 30th. Um, I go and we tally up everything that we've done throughout the month and then we make the donation. So for every client that comes and visits us, we give five days of access to clean water for a family in Cambodia. And to date, I have to check my notes here, we've provided almost 36 years of clean water. Oh, wow. And then like for our social media, whenever someone comments on one of our posts or shares it, um, we provide information to 10 women at risk of domestic violence. And to date, mm. we've reached about 22,000 women. Um, so something that happened with us during the pandemic, um, so I, I founded the company in 2011. By 2020, early 2020, we had, I mean, things things were very good. Um, we were all over South Florida. We were in Atlanta. We were doing, we were more focused at that time on corporate wellness. We had started with massage and chair massage, and then we, we blew, things kind of blew up when we got a large contract with a, a certain IT company. And so we started doing, it wasn't just massage, it was acupuncture, Zumba, Pilates, mindfulness, yoga, and every day at a bunch of different offices and other clients too, but everything was awesome. And then um, March 13th, which appropriately enough was a Friday, Friday the 13th, 2020, I suddenly became a small business owner with no business and no clients. Well, I, I mean, I guess the clients were there, but everyone, shut down and everyone was working from home and all of the services we had done up to that point was on site and our massage studio over by downtown oh, by Berkeley, probably closed, right? was closed for three months and so and and to cap it all off i had just finished two weeks before reading an excellent book called station 11. it was it's a fiction book but it's about a massive pandemic and it was so it was the oh, stupidest coincidence of the yeah, world yeah. but i had just read this book about this pandemic that wiped out like 95 percent of the earth and i'm like oh oh wow you must uh, i'm surprised you didn't just hike out to montana at that point <laughs> thought crossed my mind no yeah. so it, it, so when the pandemic started we were I, I had this weird nervous energy i felt like hey we're all in the same boat. We're all going to get through this. We're going to figure this out. So the first thing I did was, okay, which of our services can go virtual? And so obviously not the massage, but you know, you can do yoga, you can do chair yoga, you can do webinars, you can do Pilates. There's a lot of things you can do, not acupuncture, but so, um, I shipped equipment. I bought some really good equipment shipped it off to like my key people, trained them how to use it. And then we redid all our marketing materials and we started telling companies, hey, all right, here's this new, you know, we, we can adapt, here's everything virtual. And at first, and this does, by the way, tie back with B1G when I tend to kind of speak in circles, but this does come back. You're coming back so, around. <laughs> um, so at first everyone was like, yeah, we'll do this. And we had good participation and people were leaving their cameras on and we were laughing at each other in the Zumba classes and you know, whatever, it worked. And then as the pandemic dragged on, we had the summer of 2020 with all the protests and riots and things just kept, it, it was just like this slow march that was not you know, going anywhere and it wasn't yeah. getting any better. And people started being like, wow, I'm on Zoom all day. I don't want to be on Zoom, even if it's for a yoga class. No, thank you. So attendance dropped or they would be online, but they would have their computer off or their, sorry, their, their camera, camera off and they're playing video and games. And they'd be muted. And you don't know what they're doing at that point. They could be chugging a beer. You have no idea. So I, I started getting quite depressed and 
that was when I found out about B1G1. And it really was the wake up call that I needed to remind myself as a business owner that, hey, there are people out there who have it way worse than you. And if by doing business activities that you do every day, you can help someone on the other side of the planet, what a yep. wonderful way. And, and the site makes it really easy for you. It's sort of like the Amazon of giving. You can set up a giving story. You can you know, go through it. Like I said, every month, my assistant, we, we tally up like how many people were in our online wellness programs, how many people got massage, how many people got gift certificates. And then we make the donation and then we see, you know, we see the impact. And so it was really good timing. I feel like in a weird way, it kind of, I don't want to say it saved me. It wasn't quite that dramatic, but it helped me refocus and reprioritize and just put things in perspective at a very necessary time. Yeah. Yeah. You found a purpose in it too, which it's amazing that you, you did get, get through COVID with that too, because, um, I mean, that's right in line with the restaurants and and, and everybody else who are location-based. It's a, it's a physical in-person, the person, um, interaction too. That's, um, I'm happy you, you did. But what's interesting is that now that the future of work is clearly hybrid for many, many industries, we've seen the same you know, Zoom fatigue and people having their cameras off and being on mute and not knowing if they're really there. And so what, what we decided to do at the end of last year is actually go back to our roots. And, you know, Healing Hands started with massage. That's really a passion of mine. So we decided to focus more on that. And we're sort of, I don't want to say phasing out the corporate part, because there's certainly clients that we enjoy working with and everything, but we're not actively searching for new clients at this point. We're growing the massage part. Well, it's also tough too if you find a corporate client and like um, you know half their employees are in New York, half of them are living in Texas, and then you know somewhere in Miami because they're all virtual. Well, know? and and in that way, virtual it's a double-edged sword because yeah. it's great. You can, I mean, we have once a month for a multinational company, we have uh, webinars in Spanish, and people dial in from all over Latin America, which is great. But you know, then we have people. It, you know, you can say that you're participating and you're really not. So I. I really like online. Um, I'm sorry, in person the best. Online is, it could be a little taxing. <laughs> no, I'm I'm sure. I'm sure. Where um, where where can people find you? Um, is it mainly online? Can they reach out over the phone? Is it location based? Yeah. So our website is healing-hands.us. So that's the easiest way to find us. Um, we. If you type, if you're in Miami and you type in massage near me, we usually pop right up. We're very highly rated on, on Google and we're right over in the riverfront. So we're the wind, the mint and the IVR. We're at 350 South Miami Avenue. And so that's where we're located. And even if, even if people, cause if people are visiting Miami all the time too. So if there's someone who's in New York or California right now, and you're in the Miami area, make this a part of your trip. <laughs> Everyone should have a massage on vacation. I feel like everybody should, um, yeah. because it's, it's vacation is about, you know, um, kind of settling, being mindful. Like we were talking about before, kind of coming back into the present and that massage will absolutely do it. <laughs> so, um, even if you're not from Miami and you're just in town, um, definitely, definitely, uh, reach out guys. Cause it's, I, massages are amazing. They're amazing. And I, I will say one more thing. When we decided to really concentrate more on massage and actually we were doing this even before, but we're, we're sort of advertising it better now. Um, whenever I would go in for a massage, cause I love getting them. Um, first of all, it ticked me off when they would call it an hour massage and it's 50 minutes. And then like, if I asked for more pressure and they're like, 
oh, sure, we can upgrade you to a deep tissue massage. Upgrade is code for we're going to charge, charge you yeah. more money. <laughs> and so we offer what we call the all-inclusive massage. So there is a flat rate. It is a true 60-minute massage. And during that time, if you want deep tissue, stretching, cupping, aromatherapy, hot packs, cold packs, it is all included in the price. That's nice to hear because honestly, that could kind of throw a massage off its tracks if oh now it's another 20 bucks you know yeah. now it's you know and then you're, you're thinking about money when you should be being in the mindful state exactly exactly we just want people to relax and you know whatever their session goal is whether it's relaxation or pain relief just to get what what they need what's going to work the best for them we want them a lot of people when they're done with the massage are like i feel taller and that's because we do a lot yeah. of stretching and uh, yeah, they're fantastic massages. We don't hire anyone with a, less than five years of experience. And um, I, um, I definitely appreciate it. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, you're <laughs> just give us a little chapter in your encyclopedia that you, uh, you, you have all the time <laughs> on you. So um, definitely appreciate it, guys. Um, reach out, schedule the massages, be proactive. We, we would say we would leave people with is being proactive, yes. not reactive, because it's the equivalent of eating like crap, smoking, drinking, and then, you know, having to go to the doctor and being surprised when like, you know, you're not in the best healthy shape. So exactly. Um, thanks Anastasia. And I'm sure I will, uh, I'll see you down the road. Please. I hope so. With every star.